Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey y'all, Ryan Sprague here. As you all know, the Summer in the Skies podcast is always free to consume, but it isn't free to create. That's why I've started the Somewhere in the Skies Patreon campaign. On a monthly basis, you give what you think the show is worth. You'll be helping the show continue, grow, and to be something truly communal. And remember, there are rewards for each level of contribution, and the list is only growing. So please, help Somewhere in the Skies now by becoming a patron. To contribute and to learn more, visit www.patreon.com backslash somewhere skies. Thank you for your support. And now, on with the show. This is Somewhere in the Skies with Ryan Sprague. My name's Simon Tett. I'm uh, 56 years of age. I live in Cape Town, South Africa. And um, just to relate my UFO experience um, that I had last year, um, before I start, I'd just like to say that my interest in UFOs started uh, in the mid-1980s. I was born in the UK, um, and I went back to visit family there in the mid-1980s, and my aunt gave me a book on the um, Barney and Betty Hill abduction case. I'd never heard of uh, heard of it before, and it was a fascinating book to read, and uh, that got me interested in, in UFOs. I keep an open mind, and I uh, find it a, a great subject, and uh, I'm lucky to be on this amazing Facebook group, The Other Dimension, where we can openly discuss um, the subject and uh, share articles um, relating to it. The sighting that I had uh, took place on the 1st of January last year at 12 minutes past midnight um, in Cape Town. And um, I was actually house-sitting for a friend. They had, uh, they had a couple of dogs, and they were just a bit worried that when they went out to the uh, New Year celebrations that the dogs might uh, be disturbed by the fireworks going off. So I agreed to sort of um, babysit or house-sit the dogs for them. And... Um, I was, uh, the house is up on the hill on the slopes of Table Mountain. I just finished watching the fireworks display, which had just died down over Cape Town Harbour. I glanced up and I noticed um, a circular shape. It was um, sort of a wireframe circular shape, um, sort of a two-dimensional shape. And the color, the wireframe sort of color of it was a uh, pinkish-orange color. And uh, it was moving fairly quickly from southwest uh, to northeast, as kind of rough direction it was kind of over a saddle um between table mountain and uh, lion's head two uh, points of interest in cape town immediately following the circular shape was a triangle also a pinky uh, pinky orange in color 
also a, a sort of um, wireframe shape but a perfect triangle and right behind that was a long oblong shape the same colors all of the shapes were rotating slowly or they were wobbling slightly on a common axis and they all appeared to be hollow no solid uh, form to them at all just outlines they appeared to be all in a straight line and they were undulating or, or wobbling slightly from side to side but all of them moving along this this common axis in in a in a in a line astern one behind the other the last sight that i had was um, was of the long oblong object disappearing um, from my view behind some trees <clears throat> the the long oblong shape the last one that passed overhead uh, was sort of moving on a flat plane, uh, but moving very much like those um, ships' radars. The military ships have these long, oblong-shaped radar devices which uh, slowly move around. And the movement of, of the shape that I saw was similar to that. Although, as I say, it wasn't a solid object. It was a sort of wireframe shape to it. I, I guess the altitude, they were probably between 700 uh, to 1,000 foot above where I was sitting, um, difficult really to to judge exactly how high they were and, and what size, but I suppose if they were, uh, I, I, I guess the size was probably about uh, 25 foot across. Each object was probably about that size um, if they were a thousand foot above. There was absolutely no noise from any of the objects at all, and uh, I've I've never seen anything like this before. And I, I did look in the in the newspapers and online the next day to see if anything had been reported, anything similar. I didn't see anything, so I don't know what they were, but I'm quite familiar with aircraft. I have a fascination in flying, and I have done for years, so I'm, I'm pretty sure there weren't helicopters, there weren't drones, there was no sound from them. And it would be odd to have drones over that area, three of them, one behind the other, in, in those shapes as well. I could imagine drones over the harbour while the fireworks were going off at midnight, but um, this was 12 minutes after midnight. Um, I still don't think there were drones. I, I've, I've never seen anything that's, uh, that's proven either way that these were or were not uh, man-made objects. I don't know whether they were from another dimension, another planet, or whether they were um, something man-made that, that I just don't know about. When I uh, wrote up a report to the South African UFO website the next day, I did notice that there was a sighting also, funnily enough, at 12 minutes past midnight. The sighting, the other sighting was in Johannesburg, but it wasn't, the description wasn't the same as mine. I'm not sure what objects they saw in Johannesburg, but it was nothing like what I'd seen. Just uh, oddly enough, it was at, uh, at the same time. But I suppose being New Year's Eve, uh, there'd be a lot of lights in the sky. And uh, I suppose if, if uh, any alien entity wanted to sort of disguise their actions, then the New Year would be a good time to bring out uh, brightly lit craft. Anyway, I have a keen fascination. Um, it's, it's, it's made me even more interested in the subject, and uh, I am wary about um, the reports that I read. I, I do quite a bit of research on it before I make a decision for myself as to what it is. But I, I, I found that... Um, my ongoing interest uh, is, is just uh, intensified now, and uh, I was just very lucky to have that sighting. I'm not sure exactly what it was, but uh, I've never seen anything like it uh, since then. I've never seen anything like it before then. Anyway, um, that was my sighting, uh, that's what I wanted to report, and thank you, Ryan, for the opportunity to speak. Um, that's all from me, Simon Tat, here in Cape Town, South Africa. Well, in 1968, uh, 
I was a much younger man at that time, and I was in my automobile, and I uh, had taken a ride to a local park called Seaside Park, which has a large beach area. And uh, at the time, I was supposed to meet a friend of mine who was uh, a fisherman, and the striped bass uh, had been biting at that time. And when I had arrived at the park, no one was there at that particular time, because usually the fishermen showed up at a later point in the morning, and I, I arrived very early. And if I remember correctly, the time was uh, probably like around that, uh, uh, just be, just around daybreak, uh, even if I wanted to say 6 o'clock in the morning, 6.30 in the morning. And I was in my car, and I stepped out of the vehicle, and I looked at the water, and because Long Island Sound is directly across from Seaside Park, Port Jefferson, uh, New York, is Long uh is what I am talking about. And I, I looked at the water and uh, I saw this, uh, it looked like a large uh, sphere, like a ball, cylinder type, uh, whatever it was, <laughs> if I wanted to say vehicle or whatever, some type of an air, airship or whatever it was, but it was a large ball shape and it was actually resting on the water approximately maybe uh, 400 yards offshore. And uh, I was kind of amazed because I had never seen anything like that. I, I thought possibly at the time, maybe the, I know Sikorsky Aircraft is in Bridgeport, Connecticut, where they make helicopters. And I thought possibly maybe the US Navy was uh, doing some test work on some vehicle or whatnot. And I continue to look and uh, I did have a pair of binoculars in the car. I say, hey, let me get my binoculars. I ran to get my binoculars and I, and I uh, focused in, I had a, a 10 by 50 binocular set and I focused in on the, on the object and it appeared like figures uh, that I could not describe. They were in some kind of a, some type of a uniform or, or some type of a camouflage uniform and uh, almost like a deep sea diver uniform and uh they had some type of a hose in the water it appeared to be like a hose it looked like they were taking something out of the water or whatever they were doing and all that all of a sudden this thing just started to ascend and lo and behold i continued to look and in a matter of a second or two it was out of sight it appeared like a little, little tiny circle in the sky, and I lost sight of it. I, I, I immediately, you know, I I didn't know what the heck I had seen at the time. You know, you hear so much about UFOs, you know, so-called unidentified flying objects. I, uh, at that time, of course, we had no cell phones like today. Today, of course, you have cell phones, you're able to communicate. And at that time, we had no cell phone. And what I did was I, I drove home because my friend hadn't showed up and uh, I was so excited about it. I drove home and I, I really didn't want to tell anybody, you know, especially local police authorities because I, I thought they'd think I was crazy at the time. So I went home and I told my wife about it and she told me that I should report it. So I immediately, uh, you know, at that time called 911 and they put me in touch with the, the local Bridgeport Police Department. 
And, you know, it's been so many years now that I, I really don't remember who I had spoken to, but the officer that uh, I did talk to at the time, he kind of laughed and, you know, facetiously and was making a, sort of a, a joke about it. And I says, officer, I says, listen, I says, I'm not crazy. I really saw this, this so-called cylinder object, you know, in the water. It looked like it had been taking something out of the water, and then it ascended until I couldn't see it anymore. I was looking at it with a pair of binoculars, and it looked like uh, the people or whatever they, they appeared to be, they looked like people. They were dressed in some type of, it looked like deep sea outfits, and, and they were on board that craft. It just took off immediately, and in, in a blink of an eye, it was gone. And uh, the officer said, well, you're not the first one to report seeing something. Somebody else called, too, and said they had seen it. So I guess you're right. But he was, he was making it more like a joke. He, he really wasn't acting serious. So nothing was really done about it. And I looked in the local newspapers the next day, and uh, there was a small article about uh, some sightings in Bridgeport. But, but that was about it. Nothing ever became of it. But I experienced this, and, and hey, I'm 73 years old, and I know what I saw, and until this day, I, I swear that that is what I saw. And this object moved so fast, it was faster than any jet, faster than anything that I have ever seen in my lifetime, and believe me. Driving home from Wells, coming up to Loggies, I, I was driving. My husband was in the passenger seat. Travis was in the back seat. Um, we were kind of, as I'm driving, I'm also glancing at my husband because we're talking, having a conversation. And just out of the corner of this eye, I saw a bright light. And I thought, oh, cool, shooting star was my original thought right away. And then I looked, and it was just, it was too big. And it wasn't falling or moving sideways like shooting stars do I've seen a lot of shooting stars in my life and um, kept driving a few seconds later and it showed up again and he says, okay this this is too weird I'm pulling over he says now go up to the junction you know get out of traffic I pulled over anyway started to get out he said, go up to the junction get out of traffic I real quick pulled into the junction by the time I got out of the truck it had disappeared standing there looking around and it showed up in the original spot again right in front of us and I hollered at Sean I says my cameras are in my purse grab them and I'll see if we can get it on video so he's grabbing my cameras and while he's doing that um, little black car pulls up next to us guy jumps out and he said are you guys seeing this I says, yeah, are you seeing the same thing? He says, yeah. He says, look at all the people back there on the road. And there's probably, I'm guessing, four or five cars pulled off the side of the highway, you know, within probably a five-mile radius because it's a real flat, long stretch of road right there. And you could see them all pulling off and stopping. And he says, have you ever seen anything like this before? And we all said, no. You know, he says, well, this is the second time I've, I've seen it. And he says, I'm from Arizona. He says, and I saw him down there two or three years ago. And he says, so this is really neat. And then right in the middle of our conversation, all of a sudden appear, appeared off to the left again. And there were two of them. And I got that one. I got my camera up in time that I caught, barely caught them. After that, they, they 
blinked off and then way, way, way far out in the distance. I mean, just, I mean, it looked like it was probably 50 miles away. It showed up again, but it was real, real dim because it was so far away. It kind of looked like the end of a lit cigarette. And Travis is the one that spotted that one. I, none of us saw it at first until he pointed it out and said, it's way, way out there. We stood there for a few minutes looking around, didn't see anything. So we were going to get back in the truck and head, head home. And all of a sudden in the original spot where we first saw him, there were three of them. From what it looked like to me, it had quite a bit of space in between them. So it didn't look to me like it was one solid thing. It looked like three different things. And then, since I'd already put my camera away, I didn't catch that one. But I jumped back out of the truck, and we stood there for another few minutes. And then they came back on again, two of them. After they blinked off, that time we didn't see them again. We stood there for probably another, I'm guessing, maybe 10 minutes or so. The gentleman, he left. He was on his way back to Arizona. He left, so we stood there and watched. Didn't see anything for a while, so we decided to go because Sean had to work. As we're getting in the truck is when Travis pointed out to me that he started seeing jets and stuff. And, of course, I don't know what's what up there, you know, with planes-wise. I know they're planes because you can see them moving. You can see the flashing lights and... You could see what looked like almost like a little tail coming off of him, kind of like a comet really far away. And he told me that's what afterburners do. So I'm taking his word for that. I did see quite a few of them. I'm guessing five or six, at least. Really, really fast. I've never seen things move quite that fast before. They seem to be coming from just about all different directions and all headed toward the same spot, which is basically... As I was looking, probably just to the right of Wendover, which I don't know if the base there is still active or not. I don't think it is. I don't think it's been active in a while. But it seemed like they were all coming from different directions headed towards Wendover. I mean, I've, I've seen some weird things, but they're all explainable. You know, I've seen shooting stars that are really big and different colors, you know, blue ones and purple ones, and, you know, but you always know what they are because you can tell, you can see the stuff coming off the end of them, and... Until they're shooting stars, and planes, of course, even hot air balloons, gliders. And this was, well, they, they were such an odd orange. It's like we keep saying, we kind of liken them to a street light, but they were even a deeper orange than that, but really, really bright. And I just, I can't look at a street light the same now, because every time I look at a street light, I'm almost thinking, is that one of them? It's like being maybe a block away from a streetlight and looking at that streetlight that's about the size and if it was just a little bit deeper color, that would be it. You know, round, orange, bright. That's the best thing that I can relate it to because they were that big. It was like originally what I thought size-wise was on a full moon. If you take the full moon and you cut it in quarters, you know, four quarters. It was about the size of a quarter of the moon. It was it was big. I could hear the peacocks clucking across the street. You know, other than that, I mean, there was not there wasn't even any wind that night. Not a cloud in the sky. No wind. No nothing. It was just perfectly still. I want to know what it is. Because at times I feel like I'm crazy. 
I just, I really want to know what it is. It's got me really interested. Hello, my name is Larry Gessner, and I am in McCluskey, North Dakota, and the event that I'm going to talk about happened to me and my wife at the time back on 7-10-03. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I had just gotten home uh, from a drive someplace, I can't remember exactly where it was that I came from. And I had sat down in the living room to watch, I think the Tonight Show had just started. And uh, my wife decided she wanted to go outside on the back deck and have a cigarette. And so she went out to have a cigarette and I was watching TV. And all of a sudden, she started screaming. Now. I, at the time, I was sheriff of Sheridan County, where we lived, and we still live, and uh, the scream that she let out kind of shook me up because I figured somebody was trying to kill her, Uh, and so I raced out the back door to find her on the deck, pointing up in the sky, and she said, "That, that, that, that star, that star just shot out of the sky, it stopped, and, and red lights came on. And there it is. And I looked, and I, you know, at first I thought, okay, it's probably maybe a meteor or something, but then I'm looking, and the red lights are above the, you know, above the horizon, or just at the horizon, and it it looks like they're off in the distance, but not too far. And all of a sudden I'm thinking to myself, it almost looks like that thing is headed towards us. And then as it started to get closer, 
I thought maybe it's an aircraft or something that, you know, we just didn't understand what it was. But as the object started to get closer, I noticed that the, the red lights, and now we were seeing green lights as well, and it was in a vertical formation, not horizontal. And I, this really puzzled me because I, you know, I've been in ground aircraft my whole life. I spent 14 years in the Air Force around flight lines, around all kinds of aircraft. And I knew the light configuration of aircraft. And I looked at this and I said, this is not right, something's not right. And as it got closer, we could tell it was farther up in the sky. And I guess we, we estimated maybe it was around 800 feet in the sky. But as it got closer, now, uh, uh, the thing I forgot to tell you is the time period, you know, somewhere between, I'm going to say, 20 minutes to 11 our time to, you know, 10 minutes to 11 our time uh, at night, the sky had just turned dark. In other words, it was light enough that you could still tell it was sky, but it was dark enough to where uh, you would have trouble making things out, I, you know. So as this, as this object is getting closer, we're trying to look at it, and I, I'm, I see this vertical formation of lights. And I'm thinking, this is, this is just not right. What could this be? And as it got closer, we realized it was probably around, oh, I would guess maybe 800 feet in the air. And it was big. The best I can, I can describe is probably, just to give you a rough estimation, probably the size of a football field, you know, 100 yards by 50 yards or 20 you know 25 yards I don't even I think it's 50 yards across but anyway as this thing is starting to come closer we're making out a, a, a strange shape on it and can't quite put together what it is but we can tell as it gets closer that one of the white lights that we're seeing is up in the upper part of this shape on our side and as it starts to get closer we start to hear what I automatically assumed was thrust the sound of a th you know thrust from an aircraft but the object was traveling slow probably around 35 30 30 miles an hour or something like that and it was moving slow and as it got closer and closer, we were looking at it, and all of a sudden I realized that this side light is a window, and it's backlit from the inside of what appears to be some sort of a craft. And the craft is starting to take on what I would assume or uh, estimate as a diamond shape. Uh, it's got angles, a right angle to it. Uh, a slope in the front, slope on the side. Uh, as, as it's getting closer, we're looking up at it. I hear this thrust sound, but the thrust sound does not equate to what I knew thrust to be from jet engines on aircraft. There wasn't enough of the sound of thrust to keep this thing of this size up in the air. And so I, I'm just totally bewildered. I just, I'm, I'm in awe. I can't, you know, figure out what the heck I'm looking at. I can't, you know, it's not like anything I, I'm used to, no aircraft that I've ever seen before. 
So as it's getting closer and closer, it finally gets to just about over our heads. And I'm freaking out. My wife is freaking out. We're looking at this thing and I'm looking and trying to see. I would focused on the window at this point. There was two sets or two rows of windows and I was focused probably on the upper set. And I could see inside the window and I'm thinking to myself, am I going to see an alien? Am I going to see an alien in, a, in an alien craft? And what I did see was some sort of a structural wall. Now in aircraft design, uh, they drill out holes in support structures to lessen the weight. Uh, this is an engineering thing that they do. And I worked on B-52s and I've seen this before in the structural integrity of the B-52s. So I'm looking at this and I'm thinking to myself, my God, this thing is, is, is it man-made? You know, I'm looking at the, the, the holes in the, in the wall and saying to myself, this looks just like a structural element off a B-52. And it almost had that lime green color to it that you would see on the inside of an aircraft, like up in the wheel well or something. So, you know, at, at this point, my wife and I were just, were just dumbfounded. I mean, you, you become paralyzed because your brain is trying to make sense of something that isn't making any sense to you. This is something that, you know, it defies the laws of physics. It, it can't be anything that you know, and we're watching it. And all of a sudden I'm saying, my God, this is a UFO. I can't believe this. And so all of a sudden I sort of snapped too, and I said, oh my God, this is headed. It had started in the southeast and was headed over basically just behind my house, headed in a northeast direction. And as it started to go overhead, I sort of snapped too and said, oh my God, it's headed right for Pickardville, which is where one of my deputies lived. And so I ran inside. My wife ran out to the, the west side of the house. We were on the east side in the back deck. And she ran out to the front door on the west side and stood there and watched it as it went over the house and, and kept going. And I tried to call my deputy. Now my deputy answers the phone and I tell him, you've got to get outside. You've got to get outside right now. There's a UFO headed right over your house headed right for you. It's got to be pretty close by now. So he's laughing at me and you know I said I'm dead serious get outside and so he finally gets outside and about that time I ran out the front door to see where it was and my wife goes I was listening to you she goes you're not going to believe this she goes as soon as you said the word UFO that craft stopped dead stop. A white light came on on the back end of it and it shot straight up in the air at an unbelievable speed and it was gone. And so I'm talking to my deputy and he goes, I don't see anything. And I go, yeah, I guess you don't. It's gone. <laughs> it's already gone. At that point, we knew we had seen something incredible. Something that either we have the capability to have ships like that or we are being visited by a intelligent race and the the craft is of an unbelievable size. I mean, I don't know what this craft would have been used for 
And the thing that I'm still trying to wrap my head around is when they travel at those unbelievable speeds and stop, how is it that they can do that? I mean, if you're driving in a car and you slam on the brakes, you lunge forward. And so that's at a, a, you know, a, a normal speed or a little bit faster. But when you're traveling in excess of a thousand miles an hour, uh, I can't, I just can't, I can't imagine how anybody could survive something like that without breaking the laws of physics. So there must be something else going on here that we can't explain when it comes to that. My name is Sean Kevin Jason, and I'm a computer analyst from Las Vegas, Nevada. Now, Ryan had graciously asked me to tell you about my story, which is included in his book, Somewhere in the Skies. So I'm going to give you a brief overview of what happened. If you would like the full details, please go out and purchase the book and help support Ryan's work. It was about a quarter after nine o'clock, and I was still at work at the time. It was at that moment when I was struck with a strong sensation in my gut that is like a cross between butterflies in your stomach and that queasy feeling you get when you drop in a roller coaster really fast. Um, at the same time I would get that sensation, I would hear a voice in my head. Uh, now this had happened several times in my teenage years, but on this particular occasion it was basically telling me to go to Area 51. This was the first time it was happening with regards to a potential UFO encounter. Um, there was only one reason I ever went out to Area 51 was in hopes of seeing a UFO. On my previous trips out there, nothing happened. Uh, didn't see anything noteworthy or eventful. So when this happened, I knew right away what it meant. Uh, at least what I believed it meant was that I was going to have a UFO encounter that evening. Um, oddly enough, within minutes after this event, the manager had asked if I would like to leave early. Business was slow that night. She was looking to cut staff and uh, asked me first if I wanted to go home, of course, which I said yes right away. So I gathered my stuff, got out of there. Um, hit up my mom's house, which was just down the street where my brother was staying. He had a uh, Pentex film camera, which I wanted to borrow for the trip. So I swung by there to grab the camera, but both he and the camera were gone. Um, so I left from there and went home. So after stopping at home and changing, um, I hit the road and started heading out towards Area 51. There's a bend in Highway 93, uh, your first turn as you start turning from a north direction more to of a northeast direction. And as soon as I start coming around the bend off in the distance, I can see some lights. And my first thought was, it's just another car on the road, uh, first car I'm going to pass of the night. Uh, so I continue driving. And as I do so, I begin to realize that that light off in a distance isn't getting any closer to me, but I'm getting closer to it. So I suspected maybe a car was pulled off to the side of the road. Uh, possibly they had broken down. And this caused me some concern because uh, I was debating as to whether or not I was going to stop and help them or keep driving. And since this was the middle of nowhere, um, I was somewhat concerned about stopping to help. 
so I was debating this in my head when it dawned on me or when I realized that the lights were not actually on the road but hovering over the road I was getting close enough now that I can see that and my first reaction was to slam on the brakes because I was speeding I was in a hurry to try to get to area 51 I was still on the first leg of a two-hour drive so I thought running behind and speeding I'm thinking these lights must be uh, a metro helicopter you know out there looking for speeders and that thought maybe lasted for two seconds because it was absurd to think there would be a police helicopter hovering maybe 10 20 feet right over the highway looking for speeders and it's <laughs> so when I ruled that out uh, it then dawned on me that maybe these lights were the very reason I was coming out there so I decided to grab my binoculars to see if I couldn't get a look at the object before I arrived at the site just in case it should leave before I get there uh, so I picked them up and I'm looking at the object and I can definitely see there is something hovering over the road and its lights are shining down on it and if you've ever tried to drive while looking through binoculars at the same time, it's pretty much impossible. And at one point, I nearly lost control. So I threw them in the back seat because uh, it simply wasn't working, but it was enough to at least establish there was indeed something there hovering over the road. So I stepped on the gas in a desperate attempt to hurry up and get there before it left. It sat there and waited for me until I pulled up underneath the triangle UFO and parked my car um, which was hovering about 20 feet over the road and I had parked my car just under the very first light or, or tip of this triangle uh, on the underside of it there were nine uh, what seemed like standard aircraft floodlights the craft was a perfect triangle um, pitch black so I couldn't make out any detail on the skin of the craft the only thing that really offered any detail were the lights on it um, so for the remainder of the sighting I sat there and studied the lights and tried remembering as much detail as I could of these lights I decided I was going to use my binoculars to get an even better look at the light I figured if there was maybe some logo or identifying marks at the center of the bulb like we traditionally use um, I might be able to identify the lights. So I reached behind me to grab for him without taking my eyes off the uh, craft, but apparently when I threw him in the back seat on the way there, they had got stuck behind one of the seats. So I had to take my eyes off the craft to reach behind me and grab them. And, uh, and so doing that very second, the craft decided to take off. So I had to scan the horizon and eventually caught sight of it again to my seven o'clock position uh, now probably a football field away from me and it was hovering over the ground much like a, a speed racer in a star wars movie um, it just always stayed 20 feet from the ground and followed the terrain um, as it moved westward from my spot eventually it made a right turn and headed north going over the mountain range that's just uh, north of that road and it kind of just climbed over the mountain. Rather than flying over it, it, it stayed close to the ground 
and basically inched his way up the side of the mountain before disappearing over the top and dropping down the other side. After that, I figured, well, this was just the introduction. Um, whatever that message was calling me to um, still was waiting for me at Area 51, so I continued on after that and uh, thinking, you know, there's still more to come. But when I got out there, eventually nothing else happened. I didn't see anything else. And after a short while, I decided to turn around and head back home. And the drive home was uneventful as well. So what do I believe happened? Basically, we are dealing with a control system that is responsible for preventing paradoxes by ensuring that space-time is self-consistent. And it does this by programming the observer using psychic phenomenon such as precognition, your gut instinct, or intuition to ensure that a future event happens as has been programmed by the system. The message or voice is being used to elicit a very specific chain of events. These chain of events must lead up to the future event that's being predicted. And in this way, space-time is self-consistent and preventing a paradox. If you're familiar at all with the work of Jacques Vallée and uh, his theory or hypothesis on the control system, essentially this case is a textbook example of that control system. Um, I had reached the same conclusions as Vallée has um, independently of his work. And as for the black triangle I saw that night, based on the terrestrial technology I identified on the craft. Um, I believe it was built here on Earth by humans and is not of extraterrestrial origin. Somewhere in the Skies is produced by Third Kind Productions in association with the Entertainment One Podcast Network. To learn more, visit entertainmentonepodcast.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.